This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Barney Desmajri, and one of the country's most celebrated TV chefs a man who's been on our screens for nearly three decades, Mr Ainsley Harriet. This was recorded live at the BBC Good Food Show back in November. Ainsley, thank you for being the first guest on our live podcast. Oh, it's, great. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Our podcast is called My Favourite Dish because we know how evocative food can be. We know the smells of something cooking can take us back to a place. Mm. We know that, you know, it can just be one smell. It can be a taste of something. All of a sudden, we're transported back to being a child. And my question to all our podcast guests today is, what's your, what's your favourite dish? What's, what's the dish that, that brings back all those memories? Do you know, Barney, um, it's really interesting that you mention uh, how food takes you back or brings you back, takes you back to a place, you yeah. know. Uh, I did a programme on the radio many years ago um, when I first started and uh, we had a pro with a producer called Claire Shonka and it was called More Nosh, Less Dosh. More Nosh, Less Dosh. And uh, as a result of that, this is, this is even before I started on Ready, Steady, I was going to say. This was going back to... I remember that. Yeah, early 90s and uh, we did this programme and it was a one, one part of the program was getting out there and meeting people from different parts of the world yep. and how food influenced them and more importantly how it reconnected them with their roots and uh, it was so strong that we went on to do a series on BBC Radio about that and uh, this I, was I the first series you did, wasn't it? So they, you, they discovered you, you were cooking at Lord's. Yeah, absolutely. You're cooking at Lord's, absolutely. they asked you to do a piece, and that was the first show that you that did. That was the very first show that I yep. did. Thank you very much, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah, you're absolutely right, Barney. It was kind of nerve-wracking, yep. too, because, you know, um, what you don't realise, ladies and gentlemen out there, is that um, television is incredibly visual. Yeah. 
uh, well, not incredibly visual, it is visual. Yeah. It speaks for itself. You see the colours and everything there. With radio, you kind of have to describe it. You have to put people, and that's why, and it's very intimate radio. It's a bit like this podcast. You have to actually describe the flavours, yeah. the, the connection that you have Absolutely. with it. Absolutely, and th that, that's what it was all about. It was about um, looking at something and saying to people, now what I've got here is, uh, let's say a watermelon. I've got a beautiful watermelon. You can see the contrast of yellow and greens going, yeah. going through it like that. It smells like it's ripe. I'm going to cut it open now. and Look at that. The juice is seeping out. Look at the redness of this. Look at those black seeds. Mm. Oh, the taste. See what yeah. I mean? It's a gradual process. And suddenly you get there. And if you're listening yeah. on the radio, it, it creates the picture. Yeah. And uh, that was the real beauty of it. And I was with people like, uh, there's one particular woman who left her family behind in uh, Kosovo. And yeah. she was, um, it's, it's quite desperate. She yeah. was very um, emotionally um, moved by the whole experience because when she smelt this food it took her back to when she was a child and all her friends and family would come round yeah. and they'd, uh, a bit like I, as I've said on many occasions like going to church if you're religious breaking the bread yeah. or, or sharing that, that cup of wine and stuff like that you know it's a real shared experience and she was very emotional and of course that transmitted over to uh, the radio and people really picked up on that and, um, and, what, and what, so have you got a dish to do something oh yeah absolutely and I was going on to say you yeah. know for, that kind of took me back to the point of yeah. thinking you know what triggers it for me and it yeah. was my mum's red bean stew red bean the, stew uh, which was a uh, oh, red pea stew. Some people call it red pea stew. Others refer to it as red bean stew. I think it depends what part of the Caribbean you come from. Few Caribbean. Red peas are red beans. Red peas, all right. <laughs> just, just like you did with the watermelon, so eloquently. Yeah. Can, can you talk us, talk us through the, the red bean or the red... Oh, the red yeah. Well, I, I shall tell you, you know, it was all about... Um, well, it depended. We had... Uh, things like the salted beef yeah. and a lot of um, what the great thing about food from any of those kind of uh, whether it's the Caribbean or any Asia any particular place that was quite hot uh, even to an extent quite cold you had to find some way of preserving it yeah do you know what I mean? And uh, they would salt it. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have, if you go back many, many years, centuries, if you like, we didn't have refrigeration. You had to find a way salted, of preserving pickled, it. Salted, pickled, preserved. Yep. There you go. Yep. Salted, pickled, preserved. All of those things that went on. So you get some salted beef. Where well, you get the sauce from as well, right? Yeah, and yep. you'd have to soak it to, again to extract the salt. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And uh, we have things like uh, pig's tail yep. that would go in there too. All of these different things that kind of look a bit weird if so, you're not used so to it. For someone who's never tried it, talk, talk us through for absolute basics. It's, it's a stew made of beans. Yeah, beans. It's got coconut in there. Yeah. The coconut, it's got fresh thyme. A yeah. little bit of tomato. So just. How would your mum make it? So from start to finish, talk it, us through it was, the recipe. I tell you what, uh, <laughs> Barney, it was, it, it was days. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't just a case of going in the kitchen. It was like ready, steady, cook 20 minutes, here's <laughs> your dinner. You know, it was completely different. And it was just the, uh, the whole soaking process. We knew it was going to happen yeah. because there'd be a pot on the stove, but it wouldn't actually be boiling. Oh. It would just have some meat in it that was soaked with a lid on top. And that was extracting the salt. And then she would... Uh, the same with the kidney beans. You put the kidney beans on the night before, mm. soak them to remove the toxins. 
pour that off, put more water on and boil it up. So it was the kidney beans that were in there. It was the, uh, you could have the creamed coconut. You know, you can get a tin of coconut. Man. We had the block. Yeah. And I remember mum chopping that up and putting that in there, frying the onions with the garlic and the fresh thyme that would go in there. It was a really, just a very slow, slow process. But after two days, yeah. you were rewarded with something that was just unbelievable. And I also remember, um, I, I, I think we all grew up, didn't we, with people that your mum or dad called uncle, but they weren't really your uncles. And we were all a bit worried if your mum called <laughs> the uncle. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. <laughs> what is your Uncle Dana, your Uncle Billy? What is your... I never knew I had so many uncles, right? Um, but Uncle Vic... My Uncle Vic, who was, uh, he wasn't a, a real uncle, he was uh, my father's partner. My dad did a program on, um, on radio, and there was called Harriet and Evans, yeah. and they were a double act. My dad played the piano, Uncle Vic sung, and it was a really, really, really lovely. And Uncle Vic, he always knew where my mum was making the red pea stew, and he would just be round. It was almost like, oh, oh yeah, I should also point out the fact that um, Uncle Vic and um, my dad broke up the partnership broke up. No, not many people stayed together. Not like, it's not all Anton Deck out there. You know, some people stayed together, but people broke up. And um, Uncle Vic ended up working at the telephone exchange. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he used to tune in to my mum because you can literally, um, people don't know this, young people don't know this, but anybody of a certain generation, they could tune in to your telephone call. They knew what, who, you know, what was going on out there. And, uh, but he always used to turn up, and my mum said, Vic, what you doing here? I said, oh, Peps, just come round. Oh, that smelled good. And there'd always be a bit of food going on. And um, it was lovely. And sometimes uh, she'd always make the uh, dumplings to go on top. Not like the dumplings that we know. They're much firmer. And it was just kind of flour, water, a bit of time going in yeah. there. And you'd make them. You'd, roll it and make them and drop them into the stew 
20 minutes before you're ready to eat and they would just cook in there. And is this a special occasion? This was, Would your mum make it for celebration? Was it, was it a special time of not year? Not really, not really, Barn. I, I, I'd say that uh, it was never... No, it wasn't necessarily a special occasion. I think it was just when she's in the, in the mood. And yeah. we were very fortunate. You know, I've already told you Dad was, you know, doing a bit of showbiz and stuff like that. It meant that there's perhaps a little bit more money around than what a lot of my friends had. So therefore, we do a lot more entertaining. When relatives came from abroad, they'd generally come and stay with us. And you wonder, you know, why I'm cooking. Yeah. I just saw the great joy on people's face when you cook for them and you put food in front of them. And as a young person, I thought, that's really great. You know, and I, I genuinely, I think we all know about people's personalities and stuff, especially when you, you grow up now and you find out who your friends are, or more importantly, looking at your, the audience here, maybe who your children are, all different personalities. You know, all of us in my house, sister, brother, and myself, all cooked, all felt super, super confident in the kitchen. And my dad wasn't there the whole time. You know, my parents broke up when I was, what, nine or 10. But it was that feeling of being able to go into the kitchen and express yourself. And, you know, the red pea stew was a wonderful one. We used to call it floating duvet stew, you know what I mean? Because uh, everyone could pick up your own sort of view on that because it really was... But it was a, a fantastic... It was just... It was homely. And is it something you now make yourself? Is it for, to remind you of Yeah, home? I do, but my children are kind of grown up now. Yeah. It's, a, it's a hard one to kind of, you know, uh, to recreate because when you talk about food like that, you're talking about recreating not only the taste, but the atmosphere that it, it had created and the atmosphere that you were eating in. And then my brother, my sister, myself, mum, Uncle Vic... Uncle Tim would be round there. My Uncle Tim always had a couple of friends and girlfriends that he'd been, bring, yeah. you know, from his club or something like that. There was always people around the table again because the front door was open. There was an open invitation. Yeah. And it was something really lovely about it. And so when you talk about recreating something, I talked about that Kosovan woman. You're talking about creating a whole image. It's not just about a taste of food. It's about the conversations that went on, how it brings people out. And it was the pot that was in the middle of the table. It wasn't a portion or an amuse-bouche presented to you on a plate and they pour a little bit of sauce it's around. Sharing it, was that, it was sharing. Yeah. And it was a big scooper thing. And the dumplings were there and we'd get in there and we'd sit down and we'd just enjoy it. You know, there was a real feeling of, of, of togetherness. And uh, that, that's what it should do, really. Wonderful. So your, your mum's red bean stew. Red pea stew. Red pea stew. Red pea stew rule, yeah. Red pea and stew. And I've, uh, I've recreated it. You know, you've got the uh, Caribbean. I often try and uh, do that. I often try and look back. But when my mum cooked, and uh, you know this, Barn, because you know, I've talked to you for years yeah. of uh, when uh, we'd early stuff, we used to do the BBC Good Food uh, magazine and yeah. stuff like that and you say how much of that Angie I said I can't remember Barney because my mum would say a handful yeah. how much is a handful well <laughs> it's a handful isn't it I'll put a handful of that in there and a handful of that but you've got no idea whether that's you know 25 grams or four or five ounces or not but she just grabbed it and she threw it in and she also had this wonderful way of grabbing the steam and I know that sounds really weird but she lift the pot off and she'd grab some steam and, and smell it in her hand. And that would kind of 
Oh, yeah, a little bit more pepper or a little bit more, you know, cumin or something like that. She had a, she had a wonderful, very natural way of cooking. And that's, that's why I have that feeling. You know, when you see me put a little bit of that stuff in like that, it's, yeah, some of it is part of my personality. But, you know, where, do, where, where does that stem from? It's part of your DNA, really, isn't it? You're picking up, my dad was that, you know, they used to call him the Black Liberace, and he used to play the, the uh, piano like this, and that's where we get, we, we get it all from. And, you know, and I see my uh, children cook now, not so much my daughter Mads, I don't see her cook, but Jimmy and Joe, both of them, um, there's a lovely story of when my uh, youngest was at his, um, was at his childminders, and she uh, saw him, she used to teach them, uh, once a week the children would do a bit of cooking, and she used to teach them how to, you know, do a little bit of cooking. And she said all the other kids would be frightened to put the food in. He would grab whatever it was and he'd put it in like that. He'd throw the food. And she thought, where have I seen that before? Where have I seen that before? And uh, <laughs> it was uh, watching Ready Steady Cook. At the time I was cooking on Ready Steady Cook and she'd seen that. Oh, my God. And that's it. That was the connection. She didn't realise. And, of course, I'm his dad. Exactly. And then I've got, I've got this question that's just, just occurred to me. You're talking about your children. If I was interviewing your children about your food, what do you think they would say to me about your dishes? So you've described your mum's next generation. Yeah, what, yeah. Would, what would your children say was, was dad's, uh, you know, what, 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 what's their favourite oh, dish for, for dad? Do you know what? I think, I think, it's, uh, I think a lot of that is centred around brunch. Yeah. I think one of the reasons is that they, I think they take dinner for granted. You know, and, um, and not only that, uh, because of the nature of, how can I say, how we live now. You know, the kitchen before, uh, where, we, where we grew up as children, quite compact. You went down four or five stairs to get into the kitchen, and, uh, and there was a little scullery out the back there, and so it was very different. And then you went up the stairs to go into the dining room, which we ate. Now, kitchens are as one, or, the, or more importantly, they have their own devices in their bedroom. So they disappear, don't they? Let's be, you know, any, everybody goes off and does their own thing. So they're not around where we would congregate around the kitchen when we were children. So, uh, but the only time they were, or, or they do kind of come down, especially when they got friends staying, was when I cooked a bit of brunch. And um, I'd probably say, my sweet corn fritters. Ooh, I remember eating yeah. them. You've been doing those for I, years. I, I've been doing you? them for years, and the children absolutely love them. Sometimes we'd make, um, sometimes we'd make pancakes together. They love the idea of the pancakes. Again, it was quick and easy. Once you've made up the mix, you put the pancaking there, and you know it's three or four minutes. It's not like waiting two days for a stew to cook. <laughs> this was instant. Sweet corn fritters, cream sweet corn, the corn. I put corn flour. I don't put any egg in it because it makes it too too kind of uh, too too chewy for want too of a chew, word. Yeah. So it's corn flour, creamed corn. Uh, got cream, creamed corn, uh, corn niblets. Yeah. Uh, corn, couple of tablespoons of baking powder. Uh, no, self-raising flour. Okay. Or, or you could put baking powder and a bit of plain flour in there, yeah. just to give it that little bit of a little bit of puffiness. And she, if you want, my mum, what my mum used to do, what we had as kids, she used to call it scallion, which of course it was the spring onion. Yeah. Just a little bit of that finely chopped Lovely. up and that's folded through it, but nothing else. And, you've, and literally, 
the thing about you need to get them quite crispy. So the oil, you need a little bit of shallow frying oil, but you need some oil in there. When you take them out, drain them on the kitchen paper. They are heavenly, crispy, crunchy, slightly soft, soft in the center. And it's great. Kids love that. Poached eggs. Sometimes we do uh, the, uh, again, pancakes, American style pancakes. My dear Auntie Jemmy, my mum's been gone nearly 30 years now and her sister, Auntie Jemmy, still alive, lives in Florida. And anytime you go there, you know, yeah. she still wants to cook that stack of pancakes, you know, <laughs> amazing, yeah. Ainsley Harrier, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you for the BBC Good Food podcast about your favorite dish. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed, thank you. Thanks so much for listening. For more recipes from all our favourite chefs, head over to bbcgoodfood.com. And to find out how to get tickets for our summer show, which runs from the 15th to the 18th of June, head to bbcgoodfoodshow.com. 